We are live, week three of campus life here. Uh, Christmas time, you know, it's just a wonderful time of the year. We got a, a college football is winding down a little bit. So Colin and I are here today to talk a little early signing day with you guys. How are you doing tonight, Colin? I'm good. Uh, you know, like you said, Christmas coming here soon. Real happy. Get that extra day off with Christmas on a Friday. So falls in the perfect window. Gotta love that. Did you get all your shopping done? Yeah. Yeah. I'm typically like an earlier shopper. Um, you know, I'll start shopping in like, you know, beginning of November, you know, kind of start getting some things, getting ideas, putting the list together. But, you know, I'm just I'm a little more proactive. Like my whole family's that way. My my brother's been done Christmas shopping since probably like early November. All right. Show off. <laughs> Still waiting for something in the mail. I'm not going to lie. Um, Has he ever got you a Christmas gift? Evan has never gotten me a Christmas gift. Mm. Is he a good gift giver? Oh, yeah, he's a great gift giver. Very oh, thoughtful. Man. Always uh, usually usually goes more the practical route. Um, mm. But yeah, I have to message him about that later. <laughs> All right, like I was saying earlier, I mean, every, everybody's already talking about the college football playoff. You know, we've we've got the team set. The games are coming up here. We're not really going to talk about that. We can maybe talk about some of the fallout after those games are over. But we're going to talk a little bit about early signing day, which which happened this past Wednesday. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, crazy or news or anything coming out of it, I don't think. Um, only a couple of really high-profile high, high profile guys flipped, uh, and there aren't a lot of high-profile guys left still to sign, at least on the offensive side of the ball. But, but I, I really like this time of the year because I can sit down now that – most guys have at least signed somewhere and start to really get my rankings set for the coming year. There's still a lot of time left uh, for things to change, but uh, but it gives us at least an opportunity to catch up on some stuff that we haven't been able to to sit down and do while football is being played. So we want to talk first here a little bit just about some of our favorite guys in this class, regardless of rank. Because uh, it's easy for everybody to sit down and say, yeah, I like the number one quarterback. I like the number one running back. Um, so these guys are all are all mostly high-profile guys, but uh, they're not necessarily the top guys. So, Colin, who who is one of your favorite quarterbacks or maybe your favorite quarterback in this class? Uh, so one of my favorite guys in this class and one of the guys that I find the most interesting – um, and now I almost feel bad bringing him up after you just are like, oh, yeah, we don't like the number one quarterback. Uh, you know, they're going to be more under the radar guys. He's not the number one guy. He's the number two pro-style quarterback. That's oh, so there you go. Yeah, J.J. McCarthy um, signed to Michigan. He's a five-star guy. Um, he's got prototypical size. He's 6'3", 190. So, you know, checks that box there, which not as important nowadays, but still, you know, a nice box to tick. Um, and he ran a four, eight, seven forty from the opening. So, you know, he's got a little bit of wheels there. Um, you know, he's not a burner. He's not Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or anybody like that, but you know, he's mobile moves around well, evades pressure well in the pocket from what I saw. So, you know, he's a solid athlete, you know, he, he could run an RPO offense, although Michigan won't really ask him to do that much. But he really has all the physical tools that you look for in a quarterback. I mentioned he's pretty mobile, you know, moves around pretty well. Um, he's got a nice live arm, strong arm there. Puts a lot of, you know, throws a nice fastball. But he also takes some off of it. Throws a nice touch on the deep ball too, which I really liked. Um, but he also has, you know, good accuracy in general. But I think he throws really well on the move. 
you know, when you get this guy out in space, I think he throws pretty well. Um, 24 seven sports comps into Kyle Allen, um, who's, you know, guys stuck around in the league for a little while. He's, you know, not anybody's going to light the world on fire, but, um, you know, it's, he's an NFL guy. So he definitely got room to grow there, but he's got everything that I'm checking the boxes off for early. Yeah. I, I think the, the top two things that I have written down about him, cause I haven't watched like a ton of JJ McCarthy, but I, I wrote that. I think he already has an NFL quality arm from a strength and touch aspect. Yeah. He has to work a lot on like timing and, and those kinds of things. But I think there, there's pretty much never a high school quarterback that comes in and, you know, can really work a three, five step drop, you know, hit, hit a target every single time. Like the, they're better outside of the structure. I think just because high yeah. school kind of lends itself to that a little bit more. So I agree with you. I think he, he's really good at all of those things. And just a side note, he's labeled a pro style like 10 years ago, he would have been, he would have been a yeah. duel. It, it's amazing how the, the, like the requirements uh, on that particular item have shifted so much where, where you have to be a really, a really strong athlete to be labeled a dual threat now. And even guys that, that can move decently are considered pro style. Yeah. I think honestly, that was one of the biggest takeaways um, that I took when I was going through my initial run through on these quarterbacks. And, you know, my initial run through mostly just consists of kind of watching the highlights on 24-7 that they have available there. You just kind of get a good feel for for the kid. You know, now obviously they're highlights, so you know, everybody looks great in these highlights. But, you know, like I said, early on this this time of year, I'm more or less just looking to check a couple boxes here. You know, how does he look? Does it look good? And, and McCarthy really does. But a lot of these guys – that were pro style quarterbacks, it kind of surprised me how well they could move. Yeah. Um, so I think it was a great point. Like, you know, a couple of years ago, this guy would have definitely been a dual threat. And that just kind of lends to, you know, one of the overarching themes of the past couple shows of ours is like, you know, mobility at the quarterback position is, is getting to be more important. It is really funny. And just to close out that discussion, um, that the probably the, the number one rated quarterback in the class with Sam Heward is the only one of those top guys that I've watched that's labeled a pro style that really did like doesn't move that great at all. Yeah. Um, he's my number one quarterback right now, but it's close and I'm not sure he'll stay there or not, depending on what happens in the next few months. Um, because like you just said, the, the mobility is becoming so important and he's not like a statue. He's not Tom Brady, but he's, um, you know, he's, he can't really move that well either. I mean, there's a lot of room between Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson and he's, you know, way closer to Tom Brady than, than the other side. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was one of the things I noted about Heward as well is he moves well in the pocket. He can kind of evade pressure, but he's not going to offer you much at all as a runner and, no. You know, to be my number one quarterback, you have to you have to be able to provide a little bit of that mobility there. Yeah. So I don't have Heward as my number one. I don't see him being my number one at any point in time. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, he's got a great arm. Um, I I can see why he's got the bloodlines. He's got all that kind of right. stuff. Um, I don't know. I I like him. I I I will like him a little bit more than the guy that I'm going to talk about here in Tyler Buchner from that's going to Notre Dame here this year. Um, but I really like Buchner. He's probably my top few quarterbacks this year. There's no, there's no DJU or Bryce Young from last year. There's no one that's on the level of obviously like a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields were his prospects. This class just doesn't have that guy. So it wouldn't shock me at all if like a high three-star, low four-star guy comes out and ends up being the best guy out of this class. Right. Um, but I, I'd be willing to put some money on Buchner being the first quarterback taken uh, in 2024. 
uh, or 2025. I mean, quarterbacks don't always come out in three years. Um, Especially but, Notre Dame guys. Exactly. Because um, they, they don't really develop those quarterbacks well at all. So I am a little nervous picking him as, as a guy that I'm interested in. He's a dual QB3. He's QB9 overall, according to the composite. Um, but he checks all those boxes you were talking about with McCarthy. Dual sport athlete. He was a top lacrosse player uh, in middle school. 6'2", 205. He's got really nice size. Um, and, uh, just like McCarthy, impressive arm strength. He's mobile. Um, he has nice size. He said, like I said, 6'2", 205. He can probably gain a few pounds and not really lose anything there. Uh, he likes to run a little more than I'm comfortable seeing from somebody. I think, I mean, he can get away with it because guys aren't as big and fast in high school as they are in college. So it's something that he's going to have to rein in a little bit, I think. So he doesn't get himself killed at some points. But just looking at that depth chart next year, if we assume that Ian book does leave, I mean, everybody like we keep talking about has that extra year of eligibility. But if you look at that depth chart, assuming that that book leaves, they have uh, in no particular order. They have drew pine. uh, Who's a sophomore kid. Or who, or who will be a sophomore next year. He was the number eight pro-style quarterback in this past class. Um, then you have Brendan Clark, who's going to be a junior or at least a third-year guy. He was a twenty-one pro, number 21 pro-style quarterback in the 2018 class out of Virginia. And then you have a senior walk-on and a, and a sophomore preferred walk-on. So it's wide open in terms of winning that job. Uh, so I – I think Buchner has every shot to take it. And so I think as of now, I, he is my top target in C2C drafts this year, because I think he's going to have that intersection of opportunity early with talent, with at a school that's going to put guys around him. Um, yeah. So give give me Buchner. If I, if I had to pick a quarterback from this class right now. Yeah, I mean, I I like Buchner as well, and you know, like we were talking about, he, he checks you know the boxes that I look for there. Which we'll actually get into that a little bit more, uh, you know, later on in the show. You know, a little bit of a teaser there for you, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I like that he's going to have the opportunity to to get on the field early. Um, one of the things that impressed me with him was, like you said, he runs well. You know, he's just picking up like huge chunk gains down there. He's just outrunning people left and right. Uh, on the field and as a quarterback like you know that's always impressive but not only that he does have like like you said like plus arm strength um you, he t- checks a lot of the tools boxes there which is more or less what i'm looking for at this point uh in the season you know obviously we'll dive a little bit more in depth into him and see what i can't dig up um you know when i start to solidify my rankings but yeah i'm, I'm with you on buchner yeah yeah okay cool um let's move on to running back here a little bit um you have a very interesting one because I was on a show a couple of weeks ago and somebody else mentioned um, this guy. So I'm interested to hear what you say. And now that he's, his name is popping up, he's a guy that I'm going to have to start watching quite a bit more of. Um, yeah, so that guy would be uh, Kamaro Edmonds uh, running back. He declared for UNC. Uh, one of the things that definitely interested me initially about him was the fact that, you know, Javante Williams is is probably going to go. Michael Carter's already declared. So yeah. You know, that backfield is going to be wide open. The only guy they have there that, you know, the, the next most amount of carries is 11 for DJ Jones, who's a freshman, um, which I didn't watch any of that. So, you know, I'm not going to you know speak to my thoughts on him there right now. I'll have to get into that a little bit more. But the point is, you know, he has opening there. And I love that offense. I mean, any offense that can produce 2,000 yard rushers is, you know, that's an offense I want to be buying a running back in. Um, you know, obviously, some of that has to do with Carter William or Carter and Williams' talent there, 
but you know, I don't, I, when I watch Edmonds, he actually, yeah, I'm not a big comp guy, but you know, kind of reminds me of Carter a little bit. Yeah. He's got that same similar size. Yeah. 5'10, 191 from, you know, that's like official measurings from the opening. Uh, he's a four star guy. He's number 13 running back in the class. And he shows that like elusiveness, that shiftiness that, that Carter does. You know, he he's, makes people miss you know, all the time. You know, there's times out there where he's just like juking people out of their shoes. And then he has the long speed too to cap off those those runs. So if he sees daylight, you know, he can take it to the house, uh, which, you know, evidenced by he was a kick returner for them. Um, you know, so you'll see highlights of him returning kicks. So that's something also that you like to see. But, you know, and that also speaks to his vision in the open field too. So, you know, he has solid vision as well. But something else I really liked when I watched Edmonds is they lined him up out wide a couple times. You know, they don't do it a ton, at least from what I've seen so far. And, you know, again, these are like early passes through, but he looked very natural catching the ball, just very smooth, you know, hands catch, looks it in and then looks to make his move. Um, you know, he gets, he has good acceleration so he can get up to speed real quick after he catches it. Um, and, you know, he does have a little bit of power there, you know, break some tackles. You, you don't see a lot of that. You'd like to see a little bit more, but he's, Definitely a guy I have my eye on there for sure, and especially with uh, you know with those other two guys leaving, like we mentioned. So, so people have been popping Carter a little bit, saying that he's too small to be a lead back in the NFL. If you're comping this guy to Carter, do you think that there might be the same concerns for him down the line? Yeah, I mean, certainly there could be concerns with that. I mean, five ten, one ninety one, right now. It's it's a little on the smaller side, but it's nothing that I'm concerned about. And I'm not overly concerned about Carter's size limiting him being, you know, a lead back at the next level. I just, I don't know if I just see him in general as a lead back. I don't, I don't see a lot of lead backs in this class this year, which is something we can get into at a later date. But uh, the thing with uh, Edmonds though, is, you know, he's a senior in high school. So once he gets into that college weight program, I think you can reasonably expect him to put on, you know, 10 pounds of muscle, and not really lose a whole lot there. So now you're looking at 5'10", 200 pounds. So. And that magical 10 to 15 pound bump that everybody gets in college. <laughs> you go to Penn, and then you go to Penn State and then it's like 30. But Yeah, actually one of the things that um, as I was watching uh, the Penn State game this weekend that impressed me was Kazai Holmes. Which I tweeted that out too. You know, He put on 25 pounds of muscle yeah. in one year. Lee put on an absurd amount too. I forget yeah. how much he did, but he he put on like twenty pounds plus uh, since his officially listed weight on twenty four seven. So yeah, it, I don't know what they feed those guys, man. But it's it's impressive. I don't know, but keep it coming. Yeah, <laughs> we we might disagree there, but uh, so the running backs I'm going to talk about because uh, you did the same thing with McCarthy. So it's yeah. the Ohio State duo, and. Initially, when I looked at this class and how things were shaking out before um, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was before signing day, uh, I was really impressed by Henderson. I mean, obviously, he's the number one running back in the class. And I saw that he's going to Ohio State, who I don't really think that much of the other guys on that roster, assuming that Trey Sermon leaves this year. Um, I'm not a huge Master T guy. They have Steel Chambers. I mean, his name's cool. <laughs> but like, I mean, that if I had, was in a league like where I got a point for a cool name every week, then then maybe he'd be on my rosters. But he, he's not a guy that I'm really interested in as well. So I, I was looking at Henderson and I'm like, this guy has to be my top um, 
target and C2C leaks, especially ones like we have uh, two that we're in, well, one now and then one that's starting up where you it's an auction. And I was like, I wouldn't mind spending, you know, a third to half of my budget on this kid because I think he's going to come in there. He's going to take that backfield right away in a high powered OSU offense. And he's going to do some some serious work. Um, 5'11", 195. I mean, he, he catches well. He's got really nice speed. He moves really well laterally, nice burst, quick feet, got nice pad level. He's got pretty much everything I look for. Obviously, he needs to gain a little bit of weight, but like we said, you add that magic 15, 20 pound sandbag to him that you got you put pick up in college, and, and all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're in business. And then I sat down and I watched Evan Pryor. <laughs> Evan Pryor is the number two all-purpose back in this country, and he's the number six running back overall. And I wasn't aware, you know, weeks ago when I first got on to Henderson that that Pryor was also in that class. Maybe he hadn't he hadn't uh, said he was going there yet. But I watched this kid, and I'm like, like, damn, I can see these guys splitting touches there now, especially with the totally vacant backfield. This kid, he's 5'10", 190, and you want to talk about burst. I think outside of LJ Johnson, this kid has the best burst that I've watched so far in this class. He once like once he takes that step, it's if you haven't gotten a hand on him, he is gone. You are not going to catch him. He's and and to make things worse for defenders, he is also a very efficient cutter in the open field. So he can take one or two quick steps and boom, he's just gone. He's he embarrasses guys in the open field. And Ohio State's going to get him in the open field a heck of a lot of the time if we watched Trey Sermon this past weekend. So I, I really like both of them. And I think that even if Henderson does end up taking all of the touches there, prior with these new rules can transfer wherever he wants, probably be the best back on the roster wherever he chooses to go and put up some really good numbers there. So I'm probably buying prior and i'm really hoping that he gets a discount put on him because he's going there with henderson yeah honestly uh, you know i hadn't watched prior before you put him on the show sheet here but you know in the limited time that i watched him i, I was very impressed um but you know like you were saying with travion henderson like he's he's my number one back in this class too he's so fluid of a mover you know when he just he just cuts and juice and makes guys miss left and right. And I was really, really impressed with Henderson's patience. Uh, you know, he presses the line, waits, finds the hole, and then he'll cut and he's gone. Um, because he has very quick acceleration too, which you don't really see that patience a ton mm -mm. from, you know, these, these uh, senior in high school, these guys coming in to be freshmen. So especially when you're that much better than everybody else, like, yeah, you right. don't have to be patient. Right, exactly. Like, I mean, he could, he's got such great long speed and acceleration and everything like that. You know, he could just, you know, find the first opening, squeeze through there, run one kid over, and then he's gone. Yep. And that's what you see from a lot of these guys. Like, he's not like somebody on the show sheet there, but I saw a lot of that with Will Shipley uh, when I was watching him. It's just kind of like one cut. He sees some daylight and then he's gone because he's so fast. So, but with Henderson, like I said, I, I really liked his patience. So I'm a huge fan of Henderson. But, you know, I am a little bit worried about the opportunity there for Evan Pryor uh, with, with how much I love Henderson there. So I'd be a little nervous targeting Pryor. Um, you know, if you have to take these guys at cost 
in, I mean, let's say an auction, just because that's what we mentioned, you know, which guy are you looking at more if you can only come away with one? Man, it's so hard to say because I feel like we, the league that we're in, I mean, you were in that rookie draft last year. Those top couple of guys just go for an insane amount of money. Yeah. And especially, I think, I, I mean, obviously, other, I'm not the only person sitting here going, oh, gee, that Ohio State backfield sucks and Henderson's going there next year. I bet he's going to put up a lot of points there. <laughs> right. It's not that, a, that's not a unique thought. Yeah, I'm willing to admit that. I'm not, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if he gets too expensive, I'd be very happy with Pryor. Okay. Uh, and yeah. I know I say like avoid those muddled backfield situations all the time, but I think this is one situation where I, I like both of them enough where I'm willing to take either one of them and be happy about it. Right. Well, and I think one of the big things with, um, you know, particularly auctions with the freshmen, but also even in, in the snake draft, if you do it that way too, one of the things that, you know, you're going to find a good amount of success in doing is, you know, when there's two strong prospects in the backfield, or in the uh, wide receivers in the class, you take the guy who's cheapest. So, you know, that you're typically going to find a lot of success that way. So I don't necessarily knock the, the idea of, of, you know, targeting prior at cost there, because you're going to get him much cheaper than you're going to get Henderson. But man, if I don't come away with at least one Travion Henderson share, I'm going to be upset with myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Regardless of what it takes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. And now I'm interested uh, to see how high your bid goes on him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we could set those proxy bids. So I'm just, I, I don't want to give away too much since we're in that league because you're just going to push that up and up and up and creep it all the way up there. So I'm going to have to be careful with how much I give away. We're going to have to report back on what that ends, what ends up going on. Here. Um, but I mean, maybe there's somebody that's even more insane than us in that class that just goes even more. But uh, yeah, I mean, with that league that we're in, it's a you know, it's a twenty man league, so you know, two copies, but in on the pro side, but you know, in college you only get the one copy. So with twenty guys, you know, somebody's going to want to make a push for the number one running back. You know, they're going to go just spend their whole budget. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's shift to wide receiver here a little bit. And it is a pretty good wide receiver class. I, I like a lot of these guys. I'm not sure I like it quite as. I'll be honest. I la last year's incoming class, I thought was just absurd. The top quarterbacks I liked. I loved the top running backs. I liked a lot of the wide receivers. I thought it went really deep. I obviously haven't watched as many guys yet this year, so I can't say this definitively. But I don't think this year's class is quite as strong as last year's. But there's still quite a few players that look like they're going to be pretty good early here. Uh, so who's a guy that you're looking at, Colin? Uh, a guy I'm looking at is he's probably a little bit more under the radar. Um, you know, it's Shadrick Banks uh, going to Texas A&M. Um, he's a four-star guy. You know, he is the number 23 wide receiver in the class. So you know, it's not like I'm, you know, unearthing some hidden gem here or anything like that. But um, you know, he's not somebody that. You, you probably won't hear a ton of talk about him until, you know, you get closer to the, the season here. But one of the things that really impressed me with him is just he was very elusive with the ball in his hands, a very tough runner. Um, you know, this was just a guy that he just went nuts, you know, whenever the, he would get the ball in his hands. And, you know, he was a focal point of his offense as a sophomore in high school. You know, he played in Texas's highest classification. So, you know, he's got – great competition and he put up huge numbers as a sophomore 1300 yards 17 touchdowns you know for a team that finishes the state champ 
and they were declared by Max Preps as the national champ. So this school just, you know, they pump out prospects. And as a sophomore, he was getting a ton of you know, focus from the offense. Kind of sucked his junior year. He did get hurt. He missed uh, 11 games. Um, but, you know, bounced back this year. He scored at least one touchdown in every game this year. You know, in a shortened season, he's got 826 yards, 10 touchdowns through the air, 192 yards, seven touchdowns on the ground. Um, he's uh, one of the finalists for the uh, All-American Bowl Offensive Player of the Year. Now, obviously, they haven't played this game yet, and they're probably not going to, so it's just kind of more of an honor. But he is the only wide receiver on the list. Uh, the other guys who are up for consideration are J.J. McCarthy, who we mentioned earlier, Ty Thompson, who uh, you know we're actually going to mention a little bit later, and Kyle McCord and Brock Vandegrift. So all quarterbacks. And he's the only wide receiver on the list. So those are some of the honors that, you know, I kind of like to see. Those are the kind of things that will point me in that direction. And then, like I said, with with watching him, you know, I, he was just so elusive with the ball in his hands. He had good long speed. Not not great. You know, he's not a burner. But he can hit the home run here from here and there. And he also showed flashes of really solid route running ability. You know, he was quick in and out of his breaks. He had some nice subtle fakes in there that he would throw off the defenders with. So he definitely needs to get a little more consistent with that, but it was something that I like to see. You know, I like to see the potential of being a solid route runner and not just out athleting guys and you know juking them out of their shoes and making a miss. Um, but he can also catch the ball away from his frame too, which is something I noted. You know, he he's out there. You know, he'll go up and get the ball. His quarterback wasn't the most accurate. His quarterback seemed to be a little bit more of an athlete, but you know, he he could go up and get it, snag it when it was away from his frame. Um, but another thing that he checks, another box he checks for me that I like to see is he's an early enrollee. So he's going to get on campus there in January. Um, so he's got a chance to make a name for himself early, you know, if he can impress, especially in spring. Yeah, you have to keep an, uh, an ear to the ground for any news for, for spring games, assuming that we have them this year about right. him. Um, yeah, he's, he's one of these guys in this class, and I haven't watched a ton of them. Um, but there seem to be a lot of guys in this class that, that have like an RB slash wide receiver hybrid type skill set. Yeah. I guess that's becoming more common in the NFL. So that's not, I guess, that particularly surprising. It's just really interesting to see the game kind of shifting that way. Like we were talking about with where, you know, these, these mobile quarterbacks now are, are considered pro style, even though, you know, like that, that's changed. I think we see a lot more of these skill sets with these wide receivers shifting like that too. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that, I like about Banks too is there's just an easy role to see him in in that offense. You know, he can just eat, I think he'll fairly easily be able to snap it, step into the Anias Smith role. You know, um, so I think, I mean, Smith, you know, he'll probably stick around, uh, but he's a junior, I believe, right? Uh, Smith, I thought he was a second year guy. Smith? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, either way, so. I mean, Smith will, Smith will still be there. Um, but, you know, I think I, I think you could see him work in there, too. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him step into that similar role. It's, it's already like kind of laid out. There's like a pattern there for it. Yeah, and they've got a lot of room at wide receiver there. I mean, I'm not really sure what they were doing this year that they wouldn't play DeMoss, but it's not like they have all these guys in front of them that are just so right. amazingly good. Um, yeah, I just looked it up real quick. Smith is a second-year guy, so he still has like a year left. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, I mean, they have room for guys on the outside. So Right. Well, and, and Banks, too, he, I think he could slot in nicely next to DeMoss, too. You know, they're not the same guy. DeMoss is more athlete, you know, more 
uh, more of a track guy, above the rim kind of a guy. Whereas Banks is, he can go up above the rim too and get the ball, but you know, he's more of the yak guy. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I like that call. That's uh, it'll be interesting to monitor that that whole situation there. Um, so my wide receiver, I want to talk about, and first off, <laughs> I, I, I don't put my head out like stick my neck out for guys that often i will basically pick one guy a year that i'm willing to do that with last year it was diamante trianum who i love 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 you can go through all my tweets from back to i think may where i just professed my love for this kid and so far so good so i'm on i'm 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 feeling it a little bit i'm trying to go two for two here (laughs) my guy this year is a wide receiver and this is a guy it's lonnie white jr who's going to Penn State. He's not my wide receiver one in this class, but he is top five for me. And it wouldn't, like, I, I, it's really hard for me to keep him only at five, but I think there are a couple guys that I like just a little bit more than him. But I think he has the perfect blend of athletic ability, skill, and opportunity to really make a name for himself early at Penn State. And I absolutely hate Penn State as a lifelong Pitt fan. <laughs> so when I say that, I think that means something. It absolutely does. And yeah. I mean, you guys can't see me right now, but I'm just sitting here grinning from ear to ear, listening to him talk up a Penn State player right now. This, this is Pat, painful for him. This and Pat Fryermuth are probably the only Penn State guys you'll hear me talk nicely about over the next three to four years. So if you are a Penn State fan, Drink this in while well, it lasts. You did talk nicely about Journey Brown. Um, That's true. You know, I like unfortunate him. situation there, but yeah. So uh, this kid, he's the number wide receiver thirty-four by the composite, and I'm pretty convinced the only reason he's that low is because he played a lot of wildcat quarterback along with wide receiver until his senior year. I think that has skewed his ranking to the point where this kid is just an absolute steal. He is 6'2", 210. He looks like he's six foot 190, which means that he, like, he is a thick kid and built huge and doesn't look that big and moves a lot better than 6'2", 210 would suggest. And I think it wouldn't even be shocking to me if he can get up to like 6'2", 215, 220 because oh, Penn yeah. State puts something in the food there in the cafeteria for the football players and still be able to move the way that he does for a kid that has not been playing wide receiver very long, at least consistently, he has extremely nice hands. He probably has, in my opinion, when I, when I grade hands, I include in that things like catch radius, um, uh, things like being able to jump up and contest a catch. And when you blend those things together, I think he has the best set of hands in this class. He has a very good run after the catch ability, which I think is a direct result of being that wildcat quarterback for years where he was taking snaps out of the shotgun and then just running. So he has all of this going on for him. In addition to that, Penn State outside, assuming that Jahan Dotson declares this year, I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, and I don't know, like I, I'm not leaning one way or the other in my feeling about whether that's going to happen. But outside of Parker Washington and possibly Keandre Lambert-Smith, there is not a single pass catcher on that roster that I respect at all (laughs) or that I think is worth anything in a C2C league. 
I like Parker Washington, and I think Lambert Smith is worth a stash. But I, I mean, they have uh, who's that tight end? Theo Johnson. They brought in this year. Yeah, Theo I'm Johnson. Like, I'm like moderately intrigued by him just because Penn yeah. State tends to have a knack for finding tight ends. But outside of those guys, I don't think they have a single other guy on that roster that I'm even remotely interested in. It would not shock me at all if he goes in there as a true freshman on a weak Penn State offense in a weak Penn State recruiting class and makes a name early for himself, like kind of like Jordan Addison did this year, where he wasn't the most highly recruited kid in the class, but he comes in and right away becomes a favorite target on a team that otherwise doesn't have a lot of weapons in a passing offense. So I I foresee a similar rise for this kid throughout the next year. Well, I mean, I... I just love hearing you t- gush about a Penn State guy. So let me just relish in that for a moment here. Okay. All right. Well, we'll move on here. But no, I mean, as far as talking about a rise from him, um, I mean, you already saw a huge rise in just one year. You know, he went from the number 311 prospect uh, to the number 71 overall. Uh, you know, and that's not from the composite. That was just from 24-7's rankings on their own. Um, so you know, it's not, you know, it's not the composite, which is kind of what we typically go by, but still that's a huge rise. And again, that just comes from being, you know, finally getting to see him as a wide receiver, you know, as his predominant role, because he was listed as an athlete before this year. So, you know, obviously you want to see him just learn the position of wide receiver. But one of the things that I noted about him is he just natural pass catcher very smooth hands like you mentioned you know just just looks the ball in just does not a lot of drops there so that's what you like to see out of somebody who doesn't have a ton of experience at the wide receiver position Um, but I also one of my other notes that I want to talk about is he flashes really good body control on the sidelines in the end zone Um, you know he's he's already you know kind of ahead of the curve in that there weren't a ton of guys in this class that I said that about so yeah, and then you like you mentioned, he's just an absolutely dynamic athlete. Uh, he was a three-sport athlete. You know, he actually got an offer from Clemson for baseball in his sophomore year of high school, and you know, then he ended he ended up turning it down, but and go focusing on football. But you know, that just speaks to the level of athlete that he is, like you mentioned. Yeah, and so the other thing um, that I this is like a little secret that I like to keep to myself, and I'm going to share it here tonight. <laughs> When I know, let me get my pen and pencil. <laughs> when I, when I am doing my initial, just kind of looking through like the list of rankings on the twenty four seven composite, and I start picking out guys because like what I'll do to start off with when I'm looking through these lists is I'll look for size speed or size uh, like height weight combos that I think are interesting, and then I'll just pick those guys out and I'll watch them just to see you know what what's going on. Um, and then, I mean, I obviously try to watch as many guys as I can, but those are the guys I like to watch first. Um, so when I was looking through, this is how I initially found Lonnie White. And he, so he is rated the 34th overall wide receiver by the composite. He is ninth overall from 24-7's rankings. And a little secret that I have found to be generally predictive over the past few years is that 24 7 is by far the most accurate recruiting service. Yeah. So if I find a guy like Lonnie White, or I mean, there's other examples that I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head here. Um, but if I find a guy 
who is very, or not very lowly, but lowly rated in the composite and 24-7 is significantly higher on them, I become much more interested in that player, or at least if I like them already, it it makes me feel better about my eval. That's really interesting. Not something that I had started to look for, so I'm probably going to have to look at that. Now, I do look for people who rise in the rankings, um, you know, from one year to the next or, you know, from one ranking to the next. You know, I like to to note guys who have risen a good bit. I mean, if it's one, two spots, you know, okay. But, you know, once you start getting into rising, you know, 10, 15 spots in at your position, you know, maybe like 30 spots at overall, you know, then then I'm definitely intrigued. But that's, uh, yeah, that that's a good little tip here that you're not going to find many other places. So, uh, you know, jot that down. Like I said, bring out the pen and pencil there, you know, write it down. Keep an eye on those guys who are, you know, lower in the composite than 24 sevens. Cause like you said, I mean, 24 seven sports is just like the cream of the crop when it comes to recruiting. I mean, there's rivals and there's ESPN, but you know, and they're okay, but you know, just, they're just nothing compared to 24 seven. Like this is just, this is what they're known for. This is what they do. ESPN is atrocious. Um, <laughs> so honestly, I don't necessarily subscribe to like the opposite theory, but if ESPN has a guy super high and the composite has him super low, I'm like, what? Oh, like, okay, the ESPN just doesn't know what they're doing. Um, they had they had uh, Deion Sanders kid like super high this year, and I watched him and I wasn't that impressed with him. I think he that like ESPN is what's like buoying uh, Shadur Sanders ranking. I don't think he would be like a mid four star or low four star, or whatever he is, if it wasn't for ESPN um, and the name AI and the name. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, but it's just something that I like to see. It's something that that I I generally will key in on. Um, it's the little things, right? They kind of, you know, start separating yeah. those kinds of things. Absolutely. Um, you got to find any edge you can get. Exactly. All right. So those are kind of some of our favorite early players. There's still a lot of time left. Like we said, there's spring games. There's, you know, I mean, they sign these letter of intents, but they guys back out every year because mama's not happy about where they chose. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of stuff that can still happen there. Um, but so far, that's kind of what we like, or at least what we'll be targeting early in our C2C uh, freshman drafts. Um, but looking aside from just individual players, uh, looking at classes as a whole can also be interesting and, and influence my rankings a little bit because when I, I can get a sense of that player's value early on in terms of if they're going to be competing with other players in their class, especially if they're similar stylistically likelihood of a breakout, uh, et cetera. So, so I think looking at the class is important as a whole. And one class specifically this year that I'm really looking at in that regard is the Alabama wide receivers. And it's pretty much just like we could run this segment every year. Like maybe I'll just play that intro if we're still doing this show a year from now and then just cut in the next three or four wide receivers that Alabama brings in for 2021. Because they do it every year. I mean, last year they brought in um, Javon Baker, Trayshawn Holden, um, Ty Jones Bell, all four-star guys, although none of them are as highly rated as the guys that they're bringing in this year, at least as in terms of the composite. Um, Emma does clear out uh, like quite a bit of opportunity in terms of their wide receiver room here. Um, I mean, last year you had Judy and Ruggs leave, and then this year you have Waddle and Smith are both leaving as well. 
it doesn't really leave a lot of guys that have experience on that roster. I mean, you have Slade Bolden, who's like whatever. Um, I don't really necessarily think of him as an NFL prospect. Um, Javon Baker is like the rumored guy around Alabama to, to kind of step into a starting role next year. So even if we assume that he's one of the guys, they play a lot of two, three, or three, you know, three four wide receiver sets. So there have to be some guys breaking out. And this year, Bama brought in my top three wide receivers and four <laughs> of my top six, at least this early in the process. My top guy as of right now is Gia Hall. He is a very unique profile as far as I'm concerned. He has an AJ Green vibe to him where he is that tall, smooth, lanky, uh, and good athlete. It's a really rare combo. We don't see it that often. So I I really like him. He's kind of like it's almost like an evolution in the Alabama offense where you go from Jerry Judy, who had a very similar skill set but was a little bit smaller, to Hall now, who I think has a more complete um, you know, skill set to him. Saban is not afraid to play the best player. So And I could very well see him being the best player in that wide receiver room next year. He ran a uh, verified 4.540, a 4.29 shuttle. He has a 37.5-inch vert, all at 6'3", 185. He is the wide receiver 7 in the class right now. Give me all of the Gia Hall. Behind him, my wide receiver 2 is Ja'Cory Brooks, who is 6'3", 185, so very similarly sized, but game is completely different. He is more of a jump ball guy. I think he has the capability of doing more, but uh, he and that's really all he's had to do in high school. Yeah, I'm interested to see how he integrates there because, like, like I just said, Alabama hasn't had a guy like that on their roster for several years. I can't really remember a single jump ball guy that that they've that they've had. Have can you? No, just, I mean strictly jump ball. No, not really. I mean they had, you know, if you go back a ways, they had Julio who was you know just dominant above the rim as well. But you know, I, I can't really think of any just straight up jump ball guys that they've had. Cause they do, you're right. They do usually have the, the smoother, good, solid route runner. When you think back to Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, you know, then you had Jerry Judy. So yeah, I mean, I th- that's typically their go-to profile. Yeah. Yeah. So and the guy that I really want to highlight here is Jojo Earl. Jojo Earl is my wide receiver three. He is the wide receiver five on the composite. He is five, five, nine and a half, one seventy. He was supposed to go to LSU and surprise, surprise on signing day, flipped to Alabama. I think from watching his skill set, he has the potential to be that next great undersized wide receiver prospect that's in the college ranks. He has the RB skill set in a wide receiver body. I think he has really good hands. He's explosive. And he's a threat to take it to the house. And Alabama needs to restock with those guys because the guys they brought in last year and then the rest of the well, the, the two guys I talked about first really aren't that guy. So no Waddle, no Rugs, and no one else really on the roster to do that. It, I could see him competing for targets early as well. Yeah, and so when we were filling out the show sheet here, and you know, I, I, we were talking about earlier wide receivers that we wanted to talk about that we liked, you know, I considered putting him on that spot, but then, you know, we were going to talk about the Bama wide receivers later. So I was like, eh, you know, I'll throw some love to my guy banks, but yeah, I, I like Earl a lot. Um, I don't have any rankings out right now. Nothing that I would feel comfortable with at this point, because I haven't done enough uh, research on into it yet. 
Uh, I haven't watched in quite enough guys. You know, I've probably watched 10 to 15 wide receivers at this point. But again, it was just more the the highlights on 24-7 just to kind of get a feel for the prospect. But the first thing that jumped out to me with Earl was he's just an elite athlete, yep. elite level athlete, very fast, very shifty. Um, you know, he does, he is 5'9", 170 based on his measurables from the opening. So he does need to put on a little bit of weight there because 170 is, 170 is just a little too small. But, you know, the first thing that jumped out to me with him was, you know, filling in that Jalen Waddle role. You know, Jalen Waddle's going to leave. You know, he kind of has that archetype that he can just step right in, fill a very similar role. Mm-hmm. Um, but then one of the other notes I had for him as well was just nice hands. You know, he, he went up and got the ball well. Um, you know, he, he doesn't look like a guy who was 5'9", you know, when the ball was in the air. So that was something else that kind of impressed me too. He's got, he's got a little bit more of a complete skill set than a typical 5'9", 170 guy. Yeah, and you have to imagine that was Saban's pitch to him because there is literally zero other reason for him to leave his right. commitment to LSU, his early commitment to LSU, and flip to Bama when their wide receiver room and their receiving room as a whole has been just absolutely decimated this year. I mean, they really have Boutte, and assuming that Gilbert leaves, LSU doesn't have a lot of other guys in his way. I mean, I like Coy Moore, but he didn't really play it all this year. Um so you have to think he would have gone there and played right away. So you, I would assume that Saban was in his ear saying the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I could easily see him being, you know, the kick returner guy too there to start out, even if he doesn't necessarily step in right away into that Jalen Waddle role, even if they maybe don't look to fill that type of a role initially. Um you know, I could see him at least getting time as a kick returner early. So just getting on the field, getting some experience at the next level, at, a, at an elite school in the SEC, you know, that's what you want to see. You want to see him on the field early. Yeah. So here's the here's the big one that I think we are going to disagree a little bit on. We talked a little bit about it before the show, and I said, ah, don't tell me what you think because <laughs> you need to do this live. So Christian Leary is the other big guy they bring in this year. And I say big as in he is the wide receiver nine of the composite because he's only 5'9", 190, which is a nice, um, you know, he's got a nice weight for that size. I mean, same same height as Earl, but 20 pounds bigger. So I do like that right away. He is very strong with the ball in his hands. He is the kind of guy that you just want to get him into space and you're going to let him work. And this is why I think, even though he is less refined than a lot of other guys in this class, he is my wide receiver six currently. It's because I think even more so maybe than Earl, he is going to go there and Saban is going to just let him do the rugs waddle thing. I think Earl right now is limited to short stuff and, and, and beat you that way. Leary is going to beat teams deep and he can do the short stuff as well. So I think there's room for both him and Earl. And I was a little higher on Leary before Earl made this decision, but I think that he can go there and make a huge difference in some way early. Okay. Yeah, you're right. This is the guy that we, we disagree with about a little bit here. Um, you know, I, I like Leary for sure. I mean, it's hard to not like the number nine wide receiver in the class, particularly when he's as dynamic of, of an athlete as, as Leary is. And, you know, you just, 
he takes a lot of direct snaps at the quarterback spot and you know you see him see him take some of those like a wildcat type of a role and then you know he just he just makes a couple guys miss and then he's gone like see you later so it's hard to not like a guy like that but you know to me he's mostly just an athlete right now you know he definitely needs refinement um he body catches the ball a little bit too much for my liking you know, he, I, I want to see a guy, you know, really go out and snatch the ball with their hands. And I see that out of Earl and I don't see that out of Leary, at least through my initial, you know, pass through these guys. So, you know, and, and Leary does show some good flashes of route running there. You know, I, I liked his, you know, he's quick in and out of his breaks, very agile, like we were saying, but you know, he has a solid release at times. He's in a nice little stutter step release where he can just get by you right away. If you just hesitate for even a 10th of a second because of his speed, but I, th- I think he, with Earl flipping there, uh, I don't see a role for Leary on Bama's offense. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I liked him. I liked his situation a little more before Earl flipped there, but I still think that because they, I mean, they were able to make rugs and waddle work. True. So I don't see why, because they, like I said, Holden and Baker and, and uh, Ty Jones bell aren't really that kind of player. I mean, they're all bigger guys. I think the smallest of them is Javon Baker at 6'2". So um, they might be competing more for touches with the the Halls and the Brooks of the world, and it might be more Leary and Earl competing for some of those other ones. Yeah, and I mean, like we were saying, though, like, you know, they bring in four top ten guys this year, and, you know, they have three four-star guys from last year. They still have Mechie on the roster. Oh, that's right. I always I forgot about Mechie. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was, I was surprised he didn't bring him up. but They can move uh, him to safety after that hit he had this past week. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, they have so many guys there that they can't all get playing time. So some of these guys have to transfer. So I think out of the group, like you were saying, Baker sounds like he's going to be the guy who kind of steps in and, you know, fills the role on the outside, like, you know, where Devonta Smith kind of was playing more. So I do think you're going to see probably Jones Bell and Holden enter the transfer portal. It wouldn't surprise me if you see one of them do it this off season, maybe the other one sticks around, tries to win a job. Um, t- uh, Jones Bell was actually my, was the highest of those three in that class for me. Like I liked Jones Bell, but so I'll be interested to see if he leaves where he goes, but you got to think somebody in that room has, has to get out. It's just too crowded. Yeah. 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 All right. So what class are you looking at? So one of the classes that I'm looking at is uh, Oregon's class in general, not just, you know, at wide receiver, although they are bringing in three, four star guys. They have the number three wide receiver. They have the number six wide receiver and the number 27 based on 24 seven sports. Um, but the reason I'm looking at Oregon's offense is just they don't have a lot of interesting skill guys left on that roster after this year. You know, Verdell's going to go. He was probably the most intriguing for me. Um, but, you know, they have Troy Dye still there. But, you know, he's not really anything special. I like Devon Williams. He's a guy who you know piqued my interest, like we mentioned in the last show. But he's far from solidified on that team. And then, you know, they have Tyler Shug, and he just – I mean, yeah, they beat USC, but he did not look good. He was crap. He was yeah, crap. He did, yeah, he did not look good. So, 
you know, I'm, I'll be very interested in, um, you know, like we mentioned before, I, I like uh, Ashford, the quarterback they brought in last year. Um, I'll be interested to see, you know, how the spring practices shape up with him. But uh, I really like the quarterback that they're bringing in this year, Ty Thompson. Um, he's the number four pro style quarterback. Uh, he's a four star guy, but you know we talk about the like the, the differences between pro style and dual threat now. Like you know, two three years ago, this guy was a dual threat. Yeah, you know, he's very mobile, extends the plays. You know, with his legs, you know, he throws very well on the run, throws well off a platform. So, you know, he's he's a mobile guy. So he checks that box for me. You know, he has a strong arm. You know, he it just looks effortless with the flick of his wrist. You know, he can just heave it deep. You know, he, he but he does vary his passes a little bit. It's not always the fastball. Shows a little bit of touch on the deep ball. Um, but he has all the tools that you're looking for there out of a quarterback, at least like I said on my first pass through. So I think he's gonna be the most talented quarterback on that roster as soon as he steps on campus. Um, you know, so He's definitely a guy I'm keeping an eye on there for sure. But like we also mentioned, they bring in three top 30 wide receivers, including two in the top 10. Um, you know, Troy Franklin is the number three wide receiver. So he's the highest of that group there. You know, 6'2", 170. So needs to bulk up a little bit. But one of the things that jumped out on tape when I was watching him is, you know, they just wanted the ball in this guy's hands. You know, he was returning kicks, they used them on sweeps. You know, he's got good open field vision as a result of that. So he's got that yak threat to go along with the 6'2 size. So, you know, and he also was a, a good, you know, he could go up and get the ball well too. So, you know, he uses his size um, decently and, you know, he catches the ball well with his hands too. So he's a guy that I'm intrigued by for sure, at least a little bit more so than uh, the next guy on the list who's Deontay Thornton. So number six wide receiver, also four star. You know, he's 6'4, 185. Um, so he's he out of the two of them, he's definitely gonna be the the go up and get it guy. He a 24-7 sports comps him to Kenny Galladay. So, you know, he plays above the rim very well. Um, you know, but he also got a little bit of speed to him too, you know, uh ran a four six three forty at the open. So he's got some intriguing measurables there as a size speed guy. Um, so if you know that's your cup of tea, you know, check definitely check out Thornton. Um, and then the last guy they bring in is uh, number twenty-seven wide receiver Isaiah Brevard, who six four, two hundred pounds. Um, you know, he ran a four six eight at the at the uh, forty uh, at the opening there. So passable speed, but you know, not really a guy who's going to break long runs. He's probably the guy I'm least intrigued out of the three, but. You know, again, he's still a four-star guy, so still a guy to keep on your radar. So they're bringing in all of this talent there to fill these voids. So these are guys who I think could get on the field early. Um, you know, do you have any of those three that you've watched in particular? Thornton's the only guy that I really watched a lot of because, like I said, my, my first pass through through the top 100 or so at the position will just be looking for uh, height, weight guys and just kind of watching them. And I was really unimpressed with him, to be honest. Uh, but I think he, it was more about his, like how his high school played him than necessarily. Like he has the intriguing, the intriguing size, and I thought he was a a pretty good mover for six four and a half. I mean, I start getting a little worried when I start seeing that tall. Um, 
because he was just beating guys on deep posts and goes like the whole time. Like that, that's pretty much all he was doing. Um, But I think we also need to be cognizant of high school football is really, you know, they're not going to find a lot of guys that are as capable as uh, around some of these guys. So I, I have a wait and see approach with him. I think at his cost, I'm going to end up with probably zero Dante Thornton this year. Um, just because like he's in the wide receiver six in this class. And I, I can't see him finishing that high on my list. Right. Well, like I said, you know, if, if size speed is, is your cup of tea, then, you know, he's probably going to be a guy who is going to draw your eye there then. So, uh, which, you know, we've talked about your archetype is more of the, you know, fluid athlete, you know, the smooth mover, um, you know, the kind of guy who can, who's versatile and that's not Thornton. So that doesn't surprise me that you're not interested as interested in him. Um, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on, on Franklin, if you get into him a little bit more, because he was the guy, and I mean, obviously number three wide receiver in the class. So he's pretty highly touted, but he was the guy out of the group that definitely had the most intrigue to me. Cause like I said, I, I like the versatility as well. You yeah. know, we're typically in lockstep there. And like I said, you know, they just wanted the ball in his hands. So they did everything they could to get, get him the ball. Yeah. And I did write in my notes here for the show, uh, relating to Ty Thompson, who I have watched a little bit of, um, I noted that his athleticism, like you said, and then I just wrote, I don't see any issues with him taking the job next year from Shuck, <laughs> or at least somebody taking the job from Shuck. Shuck sucks. <laughs> That's what I wrote. So, so are you off of your suck for Shuck campaign? I just flipped the words around. Like, I feel like I can repurpose that t-shirt now where it just says like shuck sucks and it's (laughs) it's way more accurate and it's fine. Um, I've watched like three of their games this year and yeah, she's just, it's painful. Like they're just hard to watch. They're, they are not a normal Oregon offense because he is not capable of running any sort of system that's anywhere close to that. No, no. And then, um, just the last guy I just want to touch on for a second here for Oregon that they brought in, it's a seven McGee. Uh, you know, the number three all-purpose back. But, you know, he's not a guy I've watched a lot of yet um, just because when I went through and I saw his size at 5'8", 167, and his speed at a 4'6", 8", you know, those aren't really the measurables that I'm looking for. So I haven't watched a lot of him, but he is a guy that they're bringing in. Um, you know, and they do have some openings in that backfield. So a guy to keep on your radar But at this point, you know, he just definitely has to bulk up and, you know, he, he does look a little faster than that four, six, eight time, which suggests, but you know, he's not a burner, which is kind of what you have to be at that size. Yeah. And watching that game the other night against USC, I was, uh, Sean Dollars uh, stood out to me a little bit uh, in the backfield there. Um, But he, he looks very scrawny. Like he's listed at 5'10", 195. He doesn't look like he has that much more room to get any bigger than that. Um, so I think there's definitely room for someone, assuming he's the next guy up next year, to um, at least split some touches with him, I would think. Right. Well, and one of the things with Oregon is they usually have like one guy who, you know, makes noise in, you know, the college ranks and he's going to be you know, a fairly highly touted guy or at least a guy that, you know, people have on their radar for rookie drafts. And there just isn't anybody there right now. So it's just kind of wide open, which is why I was really interested in this class. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Last, last uh, big topic here for the night. Um, 
I have it labeled, who are some of the non-tippy-top guys that we like early in the process? And by, non- <laughs> by non-tippy-top guys, I mean we just talked about Tyler Buchner and J.J. McCarthy and the Guillet Hall and, and all these guys. Yeah, Henderson. We do, you know. But looking beyond those guys, if we're you know, past the second or third round, maybe in incoming freshman drafts, or if you're in an auction, you, you know, you spend a lot of money on Travion Henderson and now you're trying to make your last few dollars count. Who are some guys that you think could do something next or, you know, if not next year, then kind of start contending uh, earlier rather than later. Uh, so one of the things that, and, and I've mentioned it a, a little bit throughout here, a couple of things that I look for, but some of the things that I really look for are guys who had big climbs in the rankings, you know, from one to the next, guys who are early enrollees, just because that's going to get them uh, there early. It's going to get them exposure. They're going to be around the program. They have a leg up on the rest of the freshman class. Um, you know, so I'm looking at at those types of guys, um, you know, I also like guys who they're going to go somewhere where they're likely to play early. Um, And, you know, I like guys who are going to places that they fit that offense. And one of the under the radar guys that I'm looking at right now is um, JP Martin, Alvin JP Martin. Uh, He's a three-star guy. He's a running back number 50. You know, but he's got good size, 5'11", 190. Um, you, know, you want to see him bulk up a little bit there, but you know, a college weight program, that's fine. Uh, but he's going to Memphis. And you know, we, we know Memphis's track record with pumping out running backs. You know, they had Tony Pollard, just blew up this weekend in Zeke's absence, um, which if you guys follow us on Twitter, Austin, you know, threw out the, uh, that he beat me in our one league this week, and Pollard was a big reason for that. Uh, but you know they had Pollard, they had Darrell Henderson, uh, you had Antonio Gibson, you had Kenny Gainwell. So you want a Memphis running back, and there's not a lot there that I'm super interested in right now. I mean Clark, Clark looks okay um, from the limited tapes I've seen. You know he's a guy I'll dig into a little bit more this off season. Um, but I think there's definitely an opportunity there. And one of the things I like about Martin is you know he's a track athlete he's got great long speed he just fits the archetype that you look for in memphis's at uh, running backs where you know like i said they're track athletes they're quick they're shifty you know they're the types of guys who also catch passes very well so when you think of the guys from memphis that you want like those are the guys you want you don't necessarily want uh the guys who are like the grinders or anything like that but you know, with with Martin, you know, he's a natural pass catcher. He's going to be a plus in the passing game if he doesn't end up being a weapon. Um, you know, that was one of the things that really jumped out at me is how well he caught the ball. But you know, like I said, that it's going to be an open offense. You want a Memphis running back, so definitely a guy to get on your radar. You know, he's only three stars, but you see some of those, those guys pop every now and then. Yeah, they've only really recruited three stars at that position. So it's not like, you know, like they've been bringing in five stars and now they're bringing in this kid and you're like, well, you know, you can't see him doing that much. My only counterpoint to him and I'm a little worried about is that Clark is only a sophomore. Right. And he's pretty well, he and he's been pretty competent. I mean, I've only watched one Memphis game this year um, uh, because Gainwell wasn't there and uh, Coxie opted out pretty early, too. So there really there really hasn't been that much interest from from me to watch them. But. With Norvell gone, 
I am not 100% sure that we'll continue to see the same running back factory come out of there. I mean, I know they hired from within. This is a uh, their current coach was what their offensive coordinator or run something? game coordinator. Run game. Yeah. Co- oh, okay. Actually, so never mind. That was stupid. So, uh, well, no, I, no, I mean, I think Norvell had a huge impact on their philosophy and, you know, their obviously their play calling as well. So, you know, I think Norvell going to Florida State definitely diminishes the, you know, kind of what you would expect there from them. But I don't think it's as big of a drop off, um, you know, as other people might, because like I said, he was the run game coordinator. So he's going to try to keep that system in place as much as possible, just because that's what he's comfortable with. And, you know, even if Martin and, you know, like we mentioned, Clark wasn't a guy that I watched a lot of yet. I'll have to dig into him to see, you know, this offseason to see what I think of him before I form an opinion that I would share on this show. But, you know, I think that you still want a Memphis running back. I think that's still going to be a productive running offense, at least on the C2C side, if they don't even end up being pro pro prospects. Interesting. So um, I know like a, the standard in a lot of these leagues, if they have um, like a linear or a snake incoming rookie draft is somewhere between 10 and 15 rounds. Where would you be comfortable taking him in like a 12 teamer? Uh, if you're talking a 12 teamer, um, you know, let's just say 15 rounds. Um, you know, he's probably a guy that at this point in the process, I'd be comfortable taking, and this is just strictly freshman. So I'd be comfortable taking him like in the middle, you know, maybe eight, nine ish somewhere okay. around there. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, cause then you, once you hit that, that round, that, you know, right. that area, you're just like, well, let me just grab the guys that I know and I like, and you know, right. so nobody else snags them and we'll worry about you know, what shakes out later, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I also have a running back here that I really like. It's Travion Cooley, uh, from Louisville and he's a high three-star guy. He's right on the border of three and four stars. He's the 23rd ranked running back in this class. And like I said earlier with the, um, you know, I kind of peeped the 24 seven versus composite rank just to see what they think. 24 seven has the 24 seven has him as the number seven running back. Oh, so yeah. Cause I was watching this kid and I was pretty intrigued and I went and checked that and I was like, aha, um, he's f- yeah. five eleven two oh eight. He's another guy like Lonnie white that I was looking at him and I'm like, this kid is like five ten one ninety. Like, and then I saw his weight and either he's just completely incorrectly listed or <laughs> this dude has the frame to be an absolute powerhouse in two or three years. He moves really, really, really well. Um, better than a large majority of the backs that I've seen so far in this class. I've probably watched 15 to 20 of them. He supposedly has a four, four forty, And I honestly think he might be quicker than he is fast. So I kind of questioned the four, four. But it kind of tells you what level of an athlete he is, especially laterally, when he has a four four forty there. And I'm more shocked at his, and I'm more impressed by his lateral agility than I am his straight line speed. He's another guy like J.P. Martin, where Javian Hawkins is leaving, and there really is not another special guy on that roster, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Hassan Hall is sort of interesting, but I don't think he's an NFL guy. He might be the guy that gets touches next year. I'm not hundred percent sure about that, but outside of that, like I, I just look at the roster and it's just a bunch of, like, I, I, I don't know who these guys are. So it would, I, I, I would take Cooley 
and be willing to bet that within two years he is getting the bulk of the touches in that backfield. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, he wasn't a guy that was really on my radar uh, until you put him on there. So, I again, another guy that I haven't watched a ton of. Uh, so I'll, I'll be very interested to to dig into him there. But like you said, it's just such an open situation there where they're losing Hawkins. You know, Tutu Atwell is going to be gone. So, you know, they don't have anybody that's super intriguing there. So he could definitely step in early, fill a role there. Um, you know, and, and like you said, he's got the four four forty, so he's you know clearly a fast guy. He's got some speed, so yeah, I'll be I'm going to be very interested to dig more into him. Uh, you know, after you brought him up to my attention, and I, I only picked him because um, I, I originally had Jalen Anderson on the sheet, who is another guy that I'm pretty interested in, a little bit of a bigger guy. He's going to West Virginia. He's a four star uh, because I couldn't sit here as a pit fan in a single episode and hype up a Penn state kid and a West Virginia kid without my head just exploding off my shoulders. So we pivoted <laughs> at the last minute to a Louisville kid who I dislike a lot less than those two teams. <laughs> well, Hey, I'm glad you at least brought him to my attention here. So he's a guy I can dig into. I'm sure our listeners are happy that you brought him up. Um, Cause you know, like you said, he's listed as the number seven running back on the 24 sevens. Uh, rankings, you know, he's a four star according to them, as opposed to the composite where he's a three star and he's number seventeen. So, you know, like you mentioned, one of the things you look for there is the difference, and that's not something that a lot of people look for. So, you know, that's why he's flying under the radar right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got a QB here. You got to let your little inner Homer out here for the episode. So let's hear about your Penn well, State quarterback. <laughs> Well, I couldn't let you be the one to be hyping up these Penn State guys on this show. I mean, as the resident Penn State fan, you know, especially considering how much you hate Penn State, I had to find somebody to talk about. Uh, no, but uh, I am actually interested in, in um, Christian Valu, I believe is how you say his name. He's he's Canadian, uh, you know, another Canadian that, uh, you know, James Franklin goes out and gets. They got Theo Johnson last year. He was the top guy from like Canada. Now, now Christian Valu moved into the U.S., um, you know, from Canada when he was in high school there. So that way he could obviously, you know, not be beating up against guys who are going to go play for, you know, the Toronto Argonauts or whoever else they have up there. But, um, you know, Valu is a three-star guy, uh, number 19 pro prospect. Uh, prototypical size there, 6'3", 201, you know, very solid. Uh, the f- opening had him run a four nine five, which I was I was like, eh. I mean, that's not really as mobile as I'm looking, but you know, he looks a lot more mobile when you watch him. And then I was reading an article, and and on this is Penn State's camp, so you know, we'll see. But they clocked him at a four six, you know, in their s- summer camp. So you know, there's a pretty big discrepancy there. So I'll be well, Canada does meters instead of yards, and that's shorter, right? <laughs> so there there you go there's, there's the problem there's the problem <laughs> the empirical system again hey, gets me every time <laughs> um but you know one of the things that intrigues me the most about Valu is just i mean clifford is is a guy who's probably gonna go i mean i don't know maybe he sticks around because of the extra year eligibility and clifford's brother is actually coming in in this year's class as well uh his brother is 
He's listed as an athlete. I think he's the number nine athlete off the top of my head. I don't have that in front of me right now. Um, so maybe he sticks around, but if you've watched a single Penn state game this year, you, you're not impressed with Clifford. You know, he's nothing special. So, and the same with the backup Levis, you know, he's a sophomore, so he's definitely going to still be there, but also nothing special, mainly just bring him in to be the you know power runner kind of a guy there. So it's a wide open depth chart and Valu is planning on enrolling early. Um, so he's going to get on campus in January you know, he's going to be around those guys. Uh, he's got a chance to really stand out. And when you watch him, he's very sound mechanically. He just looks very natural throwing the ball. And obviously, I'm not a QB mechanics expert, but some of these guys like uh, Jake Garcia just looks weird throwing the ball. He's got this weird leg kick that he throws in. Brock Vandergriff kind of looks like a baseball player throwing the ball too, which isn't necessarily write it off, but I like – a quarterback who looks like a natural throwing the ball. They look like they naturally are a quarterback, not a baseball player. Yeah. One less thing so, to worry about them working on college too. So. Right. Exactly. So, you know, he can focus on, you know, some of the other nuances of the quarterback position. Uh, but, you know, like I keep bringing up, you know, he has solid mobility. You know, he moves well in the pocket. He ran an RPO style offense. So he would keep the ball at times. He would break some long runs which is why I was really surprised at that 49540 at the opening but 46 might be a little low but it's probably closer to like 47 um but he also has a solid arm it definitely could get stronger for sure uh you know it's nothing special but it's it's solid it's it's passable right now for me so you know if you're looking for an under the radar quarterback prospect who's going to a big school it's going to be thrown to guys that we like in Parker Washington Lonnie White um, you know, there's another guy that they're bringing in this year that I like too, in Wallace um, at the wide receiver position. So, you know, he's got going to have pieces around him. So, if you're looking for a cheap quarterback this year, I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. Interesting. I, I'd be lying if I said that I really watched much of him, to be completely honest. Um, so, I'll have to do that here uh, over the next couple of weeks now that uh, now that football is uh, coming to an end. Um, what, what would you say the odds are of Clifford coming back? I mean, before I looked into it, into the classes and was looking at their signing day classes and everything like that, you know, before I realized that they brought his brother in, I would have said he was probably going to go, you know, Franklin's probably got his foot on him trying to push him out the door. Like, we don't need you dragging down our offense for another year. Um, but with bringing his brother in, you know, the, the family tie there, like, you know, he probably never played with him in high school, you know, being yeah. four years apart. So the opportunity to play with your brother is huge. So I think the odds of him coming back are higher than it should be. Hmm. Interesting. I have to monitor that as the uh, offseason goes on. Because that, that would nuke my opinion of the potential of that <laughs> offense. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, you know, I'm sure Franklin's trying to push him out the door. But and, and who's to say you know that somebody doesn't beat him out? I mean – Franklin does typically stick with not necessarily the age hierarchy, but he does kind of have guys fill in there. You know, Mc, you saw McSorley there for a while, and McSorley, you know, he's solid. He's definitely better than than Clifford was is, but you know, he does typically stick with a guy there. He's pretty loyal. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, my second guy here tonight is uh, is Maven Anderson. He's a wide receiver that's going to Cal. I thought this dude's name was Marvin for months, and then literally <laughs> I was I was working on my notes for today, and I was like, oh, oh there's there's no R there. Okay, uh, so it is M A V I N. Um, he is six foot. Uh, 195. He's a four-star. He's another guy that, according to the composite, he's number 45. According to 24-7, he's number 30, which, again, is interesting. I Cal is bringing in a really interesting class for this year if everything ends up going the way they want it to. They have the third-ranked class in the Pac-12, and they their top bunch of guys are all offensive players. Uh, they have J. Michael Sturdivant, who is the number 24-ranked kid in the composite, the wide receiver. He's a bigger guy. He's like 6'3". Uh, you have Kai Milner, who's QB 17. He's a four-star. You have Jermaine Terry, who's the tight end six. He's a four-star. And then you have Anderson. So they are loading up on that side of the ball. They don't have a ton of guys that I really, really like. I mean, they're they're competent. But I, I in terms of you know huge C2C producers or guys that I think are going to be in the pros, I'm not sure I see a lot of that there right now. So I'd imagine a couple of these guys are going to come in and at least press for roles. He's another one of these guys that has that running back type build. He has a skill set for run after the catch. Um, but he has pretty nice hands too. And, and there was some uh, clips of him uh, going up over a cornerback in the end zone and kind of doing his thing there and bringing the ball down. Um, he is another guy that's just a really smooth athlete, which, uh, yeah, I, I really, really like. And the other thing that I really like about his potential, at least as a scorer for the college side of things in these leagues, is that the Pac-12 is a bit more wide open of a conference. And I think Cal uh, is not a particularly good team generally. I mean, that might change with how good this class is, but they play from behind a lot. So it wouldn't like it, there is a lot of garbage time potential there, which I love having garbage time guys on my team <laughs> because they you know, produces fantasy stats. You, hey, you check at halftime, you're down by 30, you check at the end of the, you know, the end of the game and you're up 20. Yeah. That's just how garbage time works. Um, I, so I, I think he has a lot of things going for him that could make him a guy that I'm targeting and because there's another guy going there in Sturdivant and, and Cal is not a team that we think of as an offensive powerhouse, I think got, uh, teams are are going to focus in on drafting Sturdivant and they're going to let someone like Anderson fall. So that is why I think he's a really, really good value. I think you'll be able to get him for virtually nothing in auctions and probably 10th round or later. Uh, maybe not because he's a four-star. Let's say 8th eighth, eighth to 10th round I think is the range that you could probably easily get him in. And I would be very happy to grab him in that range. Okay. So, I mean, I know he's one of your guys right now, you know, obviously bringing him up because he wasn't a guy that I had watched yet. So as one of your guys, how early are you comfortable taking him? Yeah, I think like the eighth round, because that's where things, you know, like you you just start hitting the point where you're like, okay, I don't actually really know that many guys left. So I'm going to take familiar names. And um, I don't think there is a, with his size, and I think he's a, a good athlete he's not an elite athlete so the upside isn't there for me to take him over some guys that i think i would take earlier than him but i think at the bare minimum assuming that cal can get some offense going that he can put up some college side points for me which i mean if i get that out of my eighth to tenth round pick i'm ecstatic 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they do bring back Garbers, a quarterback, so they're going to have a veteran guy there. And I mean, Garbers isn't anything special, but, you know, he's not bad either. Um, you know, he's a guy who's who's at least intriguing. He can at least get the ball out. So he'll have a decent quarterback there. Uh, the most Go interesting ahead. thing, though, sorry, the most interesting thing I saw about Anderson was when I was looking at 24-7 sports um, and I was looking him up for this show to do the prep, uh, they have him comped to Devontae Adams, oh. but they have him listed as a day three guy for the draft, like rounds four through seven. I was like, how do you comp somebody to Devontae Adams and have him projected as a day three guy when some of the guys from before, like, uh, you know, my guy um, Banks, they had him comped to Leonte Carew. I was like, I, but they have him projected to be like a day two guy in the NFL. So I, that didn't make any sense to me. I just thought yeah. interesting. Yeah, I don't know how they do their comps. Um, who, who is what we were talking about a couple weeks ago that they compared to um, – um, oh, what's his name? Running back came out of Bama a few years ago. He went to Jacksonville in the second round. TJ Yeldon. Yeah, uh, yeah who was that? We were like, this dude's not even close. Like skill set yeah. wise, size, like nothing was close. I, I don't know what they do with their comps, but but yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, God bless them because they they do this for a living and everything like that. But I would not want to have to publicly, you know, issue comps for high school players. Yeah, that would be very difficult. It's hard enough to do it for rookies coming into the NFL. Yeah, so. that's. That's fair. It's a it's a thankless job. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank, you're always going to find these things you could pick on. Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate all that they put into it to to give all of this to us so that we can right you know, shit on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that was very poetic. I'm glad that thank you did it that way. Thank you. No, I mean, I, you know, this isn't to disrespect 24 seven sports at all. Like 24 seven sports is like the go to for for recruiting you know, for all of this information, like I have 24 seven bookmarked, you know, everywhere. So yeah, I love 24 seven sports, but yeah. yeah. Well, on that, on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up here before 24 seven sends us like a cease and desist or something. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right. So like we said uh, last week, we're taking Thursday off this week to celebrate Christmas here with our families. So we will be back uh, two weeks oh, and next Monday um, with a, another, uh, campus life. We're just completely skipping the Canton bound in this go around. Um, if you'd like, you can follow either of us on Twitter here at Debbie Dietz for me or at campus to Canton for Colin. Um, and, uh, that's all I've got for tonight. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, last thing here, want to give a quick shout out to our guy, Sal Cusimano for the suggestion for the, uh, for the looking back at some of the rookies that disappointed in this year. Um, you know, we'll definitely get to that, but you definitely reach out to us on Twitter, guys. We're very interactive. Um, you know, I like every tweet, every response that comes into me. You know, I'll follow anybody back. I'm not picky. He's so, desperate. He's desperate people. You can yeah. smell it. I can smell it in this broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, definitely interact with us out there. Yeah, we love hearing from you guys. Yeah. So yeah. all right, guys. Happy holidays, everybody. Be safe, everybody. Have a good one.